1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. your perfect home, sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
0: What's up, everybody?
2: Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by Castro Ledge DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Yeah. Man, I'm good. Coming off a busy weekend. Uh, lots of football stuff. A lot of trades and uh, I guess people trying to connect the dots when it comes to where players are going to go based on the action and activity that we saw at the end of the week.
0: Yeah, we had a big pro day uh, with Zach Wilson's pro day on Friday, but it was quickly upstaged by all the uh, the drama that ensued with the trades. He had two trades there. Uh, the, the big one, the one that sent shockwaves was probably Miami getting out of three San Francisco coming all the way up from 12 um, in pursuit of their quarterback to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. And then shortly after that, uh, Miami ends up coming back from 12 to six, swapping with Philadelphia for a future one. So uh, a lot of different layers to get to on this. And so, I don't even want to tee up which way I want to to go. I want to give you the floor, Buck. I want to know, give me your reaction, your takeaways from what took place with these two trades. Uh,
2: I think what we're seeing now more than ever, teams are aggressively willing to move up the board uh, to get the quarterback that they feel can change the fortunes of the franchise. We've seen it years on years on end. We saw the Buffalo Bills do it with Josh Allen. I mean, we saw Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs move up to get him. I think, When you're looking at the draft, if you feel like there are a handful of quarterbacks that can take your team to the next level, I think you do any and everything that you can do to put yourself in that position. And obviously, that's what the 49ers felt. They looked at the class, they feel like there's one or two quarterbacks in the class that can certainly help them get to the next level. And so they wanted to put themselves in a position to grab one of those quarterbacks. I think what's interesting is they moved up to the third spot. So that means, in my mind, that they have to be comfortable with maybe four quarterbacks. I mean, I guess you could say five because you know Trevor Lawrence is going at one. Let's just assume that. You still don't really know what's going to happen at two. And so when you're at three, that means you have to have a conversation. A, are we comfortable with whoever may be there? Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, whatever that looks like. Um, And if you are, then you can take that because you know that either way, you're going to get someone that you can work with that can propel your team to greater heights. Yeah, look, if you're picking three, you need to love three players. You're going Mm -hmm. to get
0: one of those three guys. So to me, you don't make a move like that unless it's for a quarterback. So they clearly feel like there are three quarterbacks in this draft that upgrade where they are. And, you know, you think back, I know the Jets ended up doing the similar trade, right? They they went from six to three, obviously, to travel mm-hmm. as far before that draft because they were comfortable with who they would get there with the third pick in that draft, which we had all those first-round quarterbacks. Um, so that, to me, is the magic number. They have three quarterbacks they really like. Now, I assume uh, that Trevor and Zach are are two of them, and then yeah. – What's got, got us so uh, intrigued by this whole process is who's the third. And we assume it goes chalk. We assume it's going to go Trevor Lawrence one. Zach Wilson's going to go two to the Jets. And then that leaves them with their choice between three guys. And initially, I know based on upon grade, we would have said between two guys, between uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields. But you've got the Mac Jones uh, situation. <laughs> and when I've talked to people that are very plugged in and very trustworthy, they are adamant about the fact that this is – it's not done, but all signs pointing to Mac Jones and that being a Kyle Shanahan selection because, you know, we say John Lynch is general manager, but Kyle Shanahan has the juice. So mm-hmm. he's going to get the quarterback that he prefers. And that's – so that's what you hear. Now, I looked at it, you know, for my situation, as soon as the moves happened, I thought, okay, when he said – Jimmy Garoppolo is in our plans, which I don't even know what you take from that. You know, mm. at a pro day when, you know, Steve Weich asked him about Garoppolo, I don't know what you really can say, you know, at that point in time, but he said, yeah, he's still in our plans. So when you hear that, I'm like, oh, it's Trey Lance. They're going to sit Trey yeah. Lance for a year uh, behind Jimmy and then off they go. But then that's not what comes back to me information wise. Now, the interesting thing is when you talk to people um, that don't need a quarterback, general managers in the league, evaluators, they, they all are shocked. When you when you talk about this, that like you traded all that to go up to get Mac Jones, and they don't see that as a clear substantial upgrade over what you have in Jimmy Garoppolo. But then you talk to other people, the other people that know Kyle Shanahan, say like, nope, this is what he wants to do. And you've kind of referenced this as well, Buck. I've heard you use the analogy. He wants to play Kyle wants to play quarterback. And he's going to do it from the sideline and he wants joystick. A joystick out there in the field. And that's what he's going to get if he goes with Mac Jones.
2: He is going to get that, but I want to find the quote because uh the guys have sent this quote about um what Kyle Shanahan said after facing Josh Allen yeah, more last year and a more mobile quarterback, more options in that. Now what you want to do is basically you want to look for elite traits. You want to look for a guy that has more than what 98% of the quarterbacks have. And so um, I understand this. And he, he, here's what I, I worry about because, like, this is what we do. We have a month to go before the draft. And so we're going to speculate about why, hey, let's look back. Matt Schaub, Kirk Cousins, those are the guys that he had. Matt Ryan, like, hey, he had all of those guys and maybe he did wonderful things. But here's the thing when we talk about the Shanahan tree, you know who they won Super Bowls with in this system? John Elway and Steve Young. So we can talk about like, hey, man, we can do it. But DJ, just because you can do it doesn't mean you (laughs) want to do it. Like just because you can do it with maybe more of an average quarterback, does that mean, hey, I'm going to trade up significant draft capital to get what I would say is just a quarterback who, to me, is not exceptional in terms of his traits? I mean, because if we can do that, because remember, Matt Schaub was a three, He was a third-round quarterback. Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round quarterback. I know Matt Ryan was uh, taken in the first round, was third overall, but it's different because the Matt Ryan that he got was a Matt Ryan that had already played in the league for some time. And so to think that we're going to compare Matt Jones to Matt Ryan when Matt – Matt Jones has 17 starts. And I hear people talk about, oh, he's the most pro-ready. What, what did I miss? Like, what did I miss about that? Because the system at Alabama looks like a pro-style system. He has 17 starts. He doesn't mm-hmm. have elite physical traits. Yes, we can talk about his IQ and his mind and processing, but I could say, man, he never got hit. He's mm-hmm. never seen a muddy pocket. He's never had to deal with receivers who couldn't get open. And I know we can go back and say the same thing about Tua Tagovailoa and every other Alabama quarterback. But there is something to be said for that. I just think that if I'm going to draft in the top five, man, I want to draft the, the winner of the beauty pageant, the, mm-hmm. the the winner of look. They have the traits, they have everything, they have mobility, arm talent, and all of that stuff. And look, I, I I'll I'll be the dissent on dissenting opinion. This Mac Jones isn't that guy for me. So we'll yeah. we'll just see how it plays out. But he's not that he's not that guy for me to be a top five pick.
0: Again, I said there's lots of layers, and so I, I, I'm i with you. I agree with you 1,000%. I had it written down on the three Super Bowls that, that Mike Shanahan had won, so I, I'm, I was yes. already going there, Buck. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and that's why I'm – you know, purposely, because we talk all the time at Tech, when this went down, I did not call you. I did not yes. text you because I wanted to yes. save it for right here so we could get the real interaction. That's why I'm so fired up about it. So not only are those the three Super Bowls – think about this. Think about the two Super Bowls that Kyle lost. Right. Think about it. Think yes. about and I want you to think about two plays. OK, first one, let's go to the Falcons. You mm. get some pressure. You've got you're in field goal range to win the game. Matt Ryan can't get away from it. Takes yes. a sack. You're out of yes. field goal range. Cost you a Super Bowl. All right. Now, that's one play. And maybe mm-hmm. you want to say, oh, that's two. You're over. You're exaggerating. One play doesn't win a game. I'm just giving you examples. Let's go to the other one that he lost. You're you're controlling the football game. Everybody knows the play. Patrick Mahomes dancing around, retreating, 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 finding Tyreek Hill all the way down the field, which showed incredible athleticism and incredible arm strength. You lost two Super Bowls, one because a guy couldn't make plays outside of structure, and the other one you lost because their quarterback could make plays outside of structure. Now, look, you get to those Super Bowls. You know how you get there? You have a dominant O-line. You have a dominant run game. You have a dominant defense and you're an elite play caller. So when all those ducks are lined up in a row, you're good,
2: man. That's a lot of, a lot of things got to go right for that to happen. DJ, there are a lot of things that have to go right, but, Let's let's take it even farther. Right. Let's let's we're talking about layers. Let's let's peel back the onion even more. Right. So let's just talk about the Shanahan tree and let's talk about all of the disciples. So we have Mike Shanahan. We have uh, Gary Kubiak. We now have Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, uh, Matt LaFleur and on and on and on. Here's what I believe started the dominoes falling at the quarterback position. All of the disciples Looked at Matt LaFleur having so much fun with Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers is, we could say, maybe, John, the most talented player to ever play in this system. And what did he produce? An MVP caliber system. It looks so easy for the Packers for the majority of the year. So Sean McVay falls to the Packers. He looks over at the sideline. He looks at Jared Goff and is like, not good enough. I don't have enough. man, look how much fun my guy is over there having. Man, I need to get somebody like that. You're going to tell me that Kyle Shanahan, even though the Niners have been whooping the Packers, he still doesn't look over there with quarterback envy at Matt LaFleur and the play calls and the designs that he can make with a more talented player. And he says, you know what I want? I want to go and get Mac Jones, a guy who can't move around like that, but this is going to bring my playbook to life. I just have a tough time believing that that is what all of this was about, that this is about, oh, you know what? I just want to go and get another quarterback who I can play a joystick with who can't enhance what we already do by design. I think it has to be someone that is more mobile, that is more dynamic and more explosive. And also people make this argument about, hey, you know, he had Kirk Cousins in, in Washington and this net. You know who else he had? He had Robert Griffin. And Robert oh, Griffin was an offensive of rookie of the year. Despite the issues that they may have had, he was offensive rookie of the year under Kyle Shanahan doing all mm-hmm. that stuff. Plus, you don't think that factors into the equation at all? I just think it's very convenient when we talk about the nat- narrative, we talk about all those guys without mentioning RG3.
0: Okay, we use trucks and trailers, right? We've used it forever. There's two types of quarterbacks. The win, when we're saying two types of yes. winning quarterbacks, there's the trucks that pull that have the ability to pull the rest of their team behind them. Think of an Aaron Rodgers; he makes everybody around you better. He can cover up a lot of warts. He he's the reason you're winning. Then there's the trailer where when everything else is in place, they can that team can kind of pull that trailer along and we can still win. That's okay. Like Jared Goff is a trailer. Like that's they want they you know they went to a Super Bowl with with a trailer uh, there with the Rams. The other way I thought about phrasing this, Buck, instead of just trucks and trailers, and to me, it is exactly what you mentioned. It is the Rams looking across the sideline and saying, you know what? There's a difference between acceptable and exceptional. And we have acceptable. I don't want that anymore. I want that. I want exceptional. And so when I look at it with my eyes and I look at it with my brain and I see this move up, everything tells me whether which way you go, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And I could be on board with either one, either one, but that's, that's with my eyes and that's with my brain. But then there's my ears Mm -hmm. and you talk to people that are plugged in, that are dialed in, that tell you it is going to be Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. Like Get ready. It might not be finalized, but all signs are pointing to this going in Mac Jones direction. And that's, so that's what, that's where I'm left Mm -hmm. with. And I'm trying to, trying to figure this whole thing out and how that makes sense and i just i keep coming back to the fact well he thinks you look at the success that mac had at alabama and you say phenomenal skill players so mm-hmm. he he was able i was able to diagram it up get matchups i want and then i've mm-hmm. got guys that can win those matchups so through the play call i'm gonna get my guy mm-hmm. your guy And then I just need him to think the same way that I'm thinking so that he can find that matchup and deliver an accurate football. And he said, well, he did that at Alabama. They had great skill players. We've got George Kittle, Ayuk, Debo Samuel. We're going to get the one-on-ones we want. I'll get that by play design. I just need him to execute it. Here's the problem. That works at Alabama. You know who doesn't play for Vanderbilt? Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) You know who doesn't play for Vanderbilt? Aaron Donald. Like, it's not always perfect, man. Like, it just isn't. And I want somebody that when everything on the paper doesn't line up right, you can make me right. And and I'm not taking shots at Mac Jones. Like, to me, if you're going to cherry pick one team for Mac Jones to go to that would heighten what he mm-hmm. can do, it would be the 49ers. It would be great for Mac if he went there. And I think he would be successful to a degree. Yeah. But in uh, terms of chasing the ultimate prize to be able to play at that level, I just feel like if you make that
2: pick – Two years from now, you're going to be going, what am I doing? I, I want a little more. I think what I am want I a little bit more. Okay, because I, I don't want to feel like uh, this is a beat up on Mac Jones session. No. I'll, no. I'll go. I have one more point about Mac Jones because here, here's what it comes down to. DJ, we talk about the NFL being a quarterback driven league. And the teams with the best quarterbacks are the teams that are typically in the playoffs. So let's just think the easiest path to the playoffs is winning your division. Where does Mac Jones rank in this division? Russell Wilson, fourth, Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray. When is that ever going to change? Who is Mac Jones going to surpass in his first two to three years in the NFC West? Like I'm just saying, who is who is he going to snatch down and pass? Are we going to wait until but Matthew Stafford retires and Russell Wilson is maybe traded away for him to close the gap? I'm just trying to figure out, like, when we think of it logically, I just can't in my mind in my mind say, yeah, you know what? Mac Jones is the missing piece. However, that said, I will say this, and we all know it. Ego plays a part of all of the decisions that are made, sometimes from a coaching standpoint. And if you are kind of the dragon slayer as the play caller, you feel like you can do it with anybody and everybody, right? And we've heard the conversations coming out of San Francisco and in fact, where they may express some frustration with Jimmy Garoppolo and they'll talk about Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard and all those things. But then at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo had a far superior record than those other guys when they had the opportunity to play. And I have to know that the frustration that Kyle Shanahan had at the end of the year when they were playing with those other guys, when you go to the gunfight and you have a butter knife, you have to, you have to grow tired of dealing with that. So is he really going to swap out Jimmy Garoppolo, for another guy who I would say is, look, he's not those guys, but he's in that, that realm. I just don't – he doesn't give you any options to make your plays correct when you don't dial the right play up. I just don't know why I would pay a premium for someone who's not going to make it better because Andy Reid always has the luxury of knowing that, hey, if I mess up on a play call, guess what? Number 15, he can erase it and make us look great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Mac Jones has that ability to make the play call look great when it's off the script.
0: Yeah. And, and this is again, I said there's a million layers of this. I think you mentioned RG three a minute ago. If you if you look at it, let's let's try and be objective and let's let's take our opinion mm-hmm. out of it and s- try and look through their lens. So and I try and figure it out and I still struggle with it. But I could say, OK, you mentioned RG three well, RG three couldn't stay healthy. And when he couldn't stay healthy, they couldn't win. Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. When he's not on the field, Mm -hmm. you mentioned it, they don't win. So durability could factor in there. But then I say, okay, Mac Jones stayed healthy for one year behind arguably the best offensive line in football where you don't get hit. And then got beat up to the point where he couldn't play in the senior bowl game. So, I mean, like, I I just don't know if I can say this guy started 40 games in college. Like, durability is not a concern or, you know, that's that's a major difference. And if you want to put body type, <laughs> mm. Put, mm. put Mac Jones next to Trey Lance and Justin Fields and tell me who you think is going to
2: physically hold up, <laughs> I just
0: I have a hard time doing that.
2: I do. So, let's spin it because I don't want this to be like 50 minutes of us dumping on Mac Jones. So if, if we are to take it objectively and let's just look at it, maybe through the the lens of Kyle Shanahan in terms of why Mac Jones would be the pick and why it's so important to have him. I think what we have seen um, we've seen on numerous occasions that, I mean, Kyle Shanahan has drawn up great plays guys are wide open and each and every week we see Jimmy Garoppolo. He either doesn't see him or he misses him. And I think what he would like is, if you go all the way back, and I, I do see this comparison between Mac Jones and, and Matt Ryan. When the Falcons were rolling in year two with Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan, they lit people up. I mean, they're busting the clock um, from an offensive standpoint. They got weapons on the outside. They had Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu and those guys rolling. And literally, he was playing the video game from the sideline. And for the overwhelming majority of the year, they're putting 30 burgers on everybody. And so if he feels like, look, we're going to have a dominant running game. I got Brandon Nayuk and Debo Samuels on the outside. I got George Kittle, who's always going to be open and control the middle. This is as similar, in his mind, to Alabama as it can be. So I'm just going to take you out of Alabama, Mac Jones. I'm going to plop you in. And if you just listen to me on the headset, I'm going to make it where you cannot fail. And the system is going to overwhelm everybody else. And, DJ, we have seen the system really work with lesser players. It doesn't take long to look around the league and look at how Kirk Cousins had success, Baker Mayfields has success, Jerry Goff has had success, and Jerry Goff, the success led all the way to a Super Bowl. So maybe in his mind he's saying, if I can just get someone to take us from point A to point B, we're going to win a bunch of games and we're always going to be in the mix, regardless of what else is around the league. I know that my system is going to put us in a position to win a high number of games. And Mac Jones would be the perfect joystick for me to play the game through.
0: Again, I don't argue that at all. I think if you're going to make a case for the best fit for Mac Jones, that would be the fit. And I could make a case that he's going to he's going to have success in the system. Everybody has success in this system. It's a very quarterback-friendly system. Yeah. But to me, I just if I'm going to make that bold of a move. Woo. I just want I just want I want the player to be able to make me right when I'm not right. That's mm-hmm. it. That That's what it comes down to to me. And again, nothing. The decision's not made. We still we're still a month away from the draft lock and have between now and then. It's just fascinating to me. Fascinating to follow it. L- let's look at mm-hmm. it from the other team's uh, standpoint here. OK, Miami Dolphins. We put the Miami Dolphins in our body shop literally the day before mm-hmm. this trade went down. And we did a trade with the Dolphins. Uh, I believe going to nine and they ended up going to 12 and, but basically the same, they ended up getting an extra one going, uh, going to mm-hmm. 12 and then they come back up to six. Um, but it just made sense from what needs they have and where they are and the value of the third pick because of the quarterback class. If, if they were going to stick with Tua, there was no way on earth they could have stuck at three and picked a different, a position player, you can't do that. If you're going to take a, somebody other than a quarterback, you cannot stay there at three. And and that answered itself right
2: there. Yeah, it answered itself. And now I think what's really compelling is DJ when you're at six and the board is wide open. Um, look, I think there's a scenario where Cal Piss is going to be staring at them in the face like a blinking light. Yeah. And I know we can talk about all the other pass catchers and those things, but in my mind, Cal Piss rates higher than those guys. And when you think about the combination that they potentially could have with Kyle Pitts, Mike Gusecki, um, they brought Will Fuller over. They still have Devontae Park. Like you talk about a team that can really come at you. And I know we've talked about Tua Lua being the RPO master, being able to get it out of his hands. I just think that they have the opportunity to create something that is dominant in the middle of the field in the passing game to make it easy for Tua. And still had the ability to create all these mismatches and those things. Because eventually, I believe, two is going to be at his best when you empty the formation out and let him play quick rhythm basketball. Like, let him play fast break basketball, get the ball out of his hands and do those things. And I think Kyle Pitts is a piece that would be very, very helpful to that process.
0: Yeah, I couldn't turn him down. I just couldn't do it. So I, I just updated my top 50, which you can find uh, NFL.com slash top 50, I believe is the is the URL. Um, and we had talked about it previously, I ended up moving him from three to two, and I love Jamar Chase. To me, I have the exact same grade on both guys, but I ended mm-hmm. up putting Pitts because I thought he was the more unique player that does, you don't see a Kyle Pitts very often. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is why I ended up putting him there. So if you're Miami, really either one of those guys you come away with, I think you're, you're dancing. You're feeling great about things. And I think there's a real chance we're going to see first four picks be quarterbacks. If you're Atlanta, you're either taking a quarterback or you're getting out of there. Again, it makes no sense for me to them for them to stick and pick because you can go. I would assume you'll have options at eight or nine with Carolina or Denver, depending on what happens with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those teams would be interested in coming up.
2: You know, I, so a couple of things with uh, the, the Falcons. This is a really critical pick for the Falcons. And I know people will say, oh, well, they redid Matt Ryan's deal. So the cap number makes it prohibitive from them to move off of him in the next two years. But I will say this, DJ, man, you would rue the day that if you bypassed on one of those talented quarterbacks at four to drop down and maybe just taking, I mean, maybe a solid position player. Yeah. I think if you're in range to get a guy who you believe can be special, I think you have to have the foresight to say, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to pull the trigger right now. And I know people say like, yeah, but you may lose the value of taking a rookie quarterback or the rookie deal. But then I just point back to, I saw I worked for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. If that guy is the right guy, if the right guy is staring at you at four, I'm taking him. And I know Matt Ryan will have another year. But if I have an opportunity to eventually upgrade the position, because we're not talking about a year-to-year league, we're talking about the quarterback position being a, dec- a decade-long position. Yeah. Where if you have an opportunity to get a franchise guy for at least a decade, that guy mans the position and makes all the other pieces around in the puzzle. It makes it easier to find. If I'm the Falcons, man, I would I would go slow on moving off of the fourth pick just for a position player just to get more picks because, I don't know, I know we say it every year, hey, some other quarterbacks will emerge. I just feel like this class is really, really special, and I'm not really trying to get out and move off of a special player if I can get him at four.
0: I, let me get your take on this. For me, and I have, again, I just updated my top 50, and I have Trey Lance at seven. Mm-hmm. Let me look, and then we'll double check on this. So I've got, you know, Lawrence one overall. I've got Zach Wilson, number four overall, who put on a show. We'll get to that in a second. I've got Trey Lance, number seven, and I've got Justin Fields, number eight. So the more that I continue to do on these quarterbacks, Buck, the more I feel strongly there are four big time dudes who are top 10 type players in any draft for me. Yes. The top 10 type players. In I don't know. Maybe next year we get some guys. We never know. You can't predict this far out what next year looks like. But I know I'm here right now. Opportunities staring me in the face to get a guy that could be my answer for 10 plus years, even if Matt Ryan is my guy for the next two years. I'm with you. I I couldn't turn that down. I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to pick a player like this in the next five years.
2: Right. I'm not doing that. And if I'm Arthur Smith and I'm thinking about how I'm going to build my team, I'm not expecting to be back in the top five next year. Like I'm not expecting to be in range, to be in line, to get a quarterback. And I know you're saying, well, Hey, you get another first round pick to come back, but I would like to control my own fate, my control, my own destiny. And so I can do it right now. You talk about it, DJ. I sincerely believe Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance in whatever order, I think those guys are as good as it gets at the quarterback position. And I Mm -hmm. sure the odds say that one of those guys will falter, but I would say the odds also say that those guys are going to be credible starters. At least 75% of those four <laughs> are going to pop yeah. and and do something. And I just, I just believe this is a unique situation where you have an opportunity to get a guy that you can build your offense around and make special stuff happen. I'm taking one of those guys. Because even when I compare those guys to what could be available as a position player, the difference in this draft, I don't think there is like the – the crown jewel position player out there that's not a quarterback that we're saying, Hey, this is the transcendent player that would be a top five player in any draft. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm more likely to, to lean towards a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, how about the Eagles? The Eagles now are in a situation mm-hmm. where I actually really like where they're positioned because yeah. if you look at them traditionally last year, they took a receiver Rager, which I thought was a reach in the first round. But traditionally, as an organization, they've believed in big guys and and in, uh, in premier positions in the first round. So mm-hmm. now where they were at six, they were kind of staring to me. Kyle Pitts, a, you know, the Jamar Chase's that's where that was the mm-hmm. value where they were picking there. Those are the best players they're gonna see. Well, now you slide back to twelve and you you might have a chance to get Sertan, the corner, um, who after Farley's back situation, mm-hmm. I think is probably the number one corner on just about everybody's board um so you're in range there for him and even uh jc horn i don't think it's too outlandish to take him with the 12th pick so you have an opportunity to get one of the top corners you probably have all of the pass rushers staring you in the face you know if you feel like that's quitty pay if you feel like that's greg rousseau Jalen, whoever you think that is Jalen phillips whoever it is you have a chance to get potentially the number one corner or the number one pass rusher at 12 and more so than that you've now next year got probably three first round picks depending on, on how Wentz plays uh, with the Colts to hit those kickers that would turn that two into a one worst case scenario. Next year, you got two ones, you've got two twos.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, I actually like where they're positioned uh, DJ. I, I think when you're, The Eagles, you're sitting there at 12. You can take a really good position player. We go all the way back to their history. They need to rebuild the offensive line. They need to be fortified the trenches. So you get a big offensive lineman. You give Jalen Hurst an opportunity to develop. You add some more uh, maybe playmakers in the later rounds. And then you reassess it next year because now you have currency when it comes to the quarterback position where if you need to move off of him, you can put yourself in range to be able to do it. I think – it would have been too tough for them to go shopping again at the quarterback store without fully giving Jalen Hurts an opportunity to be able to do it. I think just it, it muddies the situation, makes it very hard. I think this gives them an opportunity to reset and rebuild. In my mind, with the eye towards being a playoff team in 2023.
0: Yeah, here's, here's, let me talk about one thing you just mentioned there. You talk about the offensive line. The one thing I would say that I don't think they'll go in that direction, Buck, is that. You had Jordan Mailata last year, who actually yes. played really well. Is very gifted. You've Dillard. got Andre Dillard, who missed yes. the whole season as a first round pick. He comes back. You have Brandon Brooks, who missed the season. He yeah, comes back. Man, you've so, got Lane Johnson's yeah, yeah. only thirty years old. I mean, he's not like he's thirty eight. He's thirty. One of the best right tackles in football. Kelsey, okay, maybe you know his eventual replacement. Yeah, but you don't, but you, you don't you, need to you do that right first now. Round. yeah. No, you're not taking a yeah. center in the first round, and he's he's still playing at a high level. So I think if they're healthy, even they even have a little bit of depth because. I'm guessing that Dillard might he might not beat out lotta He might be your swing backup as a first round pick. So they I think wow. I think it I think it points to me to to go on defense at 12. I think that's where the value would be if that's where they you know if that if they stay there at 12.
2: Yeah, so if we if we think about defense, then it becomes a conversation. The unknown before we had a blueprint for how they wanted to play defense. Right well, now I I'm new I'm, scheme Yeah. New scheme. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe it's going to be some of the stuff that they were doing in Indianapolis, like the Tampa two stuff, but I'm not necessarily sure because that will kind of change the pass rushers and what you want. They did re-sign Brandon Graham, I think, to a one-year deal. 33 Uh, years old. Yeah. So at some point you need um, another pass rusher in there. So which one of the pass rushers will potentially fit? Uh, Do they feel good enough about the corners that they feel like they can get a lockdown corner? Uh, It's interesting. Uh, to me, you talked about Pat Tan. I do still think that I know we've kind of given him the crown and the mantle as number, CB1. I believe he's the best corner mm-hmm. or whatever in draft, but I, I liked him over Caleb Frawley. But I do wonder if there's going to be this conversation about Sir Tan and J.C. Horn coming yeah. off the oh, pro days and and all, all those things. And when I looked at it, because I talked about it in my notebook, um, and Pastor Tan, I feel like you're getting the technically refined player and J.C. Horn, you're getting the more explosive, more dynamic player who might have an opportunity to pop at the next level if he gets into the right scheme. I would be curious to see, based upon what Philadelphia wants to do, if that's the conversation and that's the direction, which one of those guys is a better fit on the perimeter? I, I just think it's a great conversation to have at some point when you look at those two guys, because both are very, very impressive in their own right.
0: I have, uh, let's see, I've got Sertan at number 10. And I've got J.C. Horn at sixteen. I, I moved Farley to seventeen. Now, mm-hmm. uh, most people you talk to around the league say you can't you can't take Farley in the first round with just the uncertainty with the health stuff with the back. I can but I, I other can believe said, that. Yeah. Other people said it was an outpatient. It was no. It wasn't as big of a deal. And then I like, go, okay. Well, you think when do you think he's going to go? Oh, early second round. I'm like, well, apparently it's a kind of a
1: big
2: deal then. Yeah, DJ. I think there are a couple of things that work against him. Um, you have the situation with the back that is maybe a recurring injury because back in 2019, he has some things. He missed all of 2020. And so you're talking about a player that you haven't seen that you won't get a chance to work out who has an injury issue that leads to some uncertainty because they told me about the guys who had the surgery, like Tony Romo was one or somebody else who was prominent who also had that back surgery. It's, It didn't paint like a a super bleak picture, but it is something that you have to consider. And when we think about first rounders and the amount of money that's tied into that, I can't see where he probably is thinking about like a Jalen Smith situation top of the second round where you can, I guess, mitigate the risk and reward uh, when it comes to using a top pick on a player like that.
0: Man, you talk about a reward if he shows up and he's healthy. A, to me, I think he's one of the five best players in the draft. Like he's he is, and he all the, the numbers that we saw that Horn and Sertan posted. This dude was supposed to be even more dynamic. Mm-hmm. He was going to run in the low four threes, jump forty inches, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, I think the, what I what I really like about what we're seeing in this corner class, DJ, we we have big guys. We have big six foot corners, two hundred pounds, running in the four fours guys who are also skilled. Before, you would have those big guys that could run fast, but a lot of them were just kind of relegated to being bump and run corners. We're now seeing guys that are skilled at a position, meaning their toolbox is full. They can play off. They can shadow. They can they can back cuddle. They can do a bunch of different things. I like it. And the other thing that is coming, you're also seeing these nickel corner specialists, because I know you put Elijah Molden in your top 50, yeah. who also have size. Before, we used to talk about the nickel being the little guy, oh, we got to put the little guy in the nickel position. Well, now you're getting big guys that are really established and trained nickel players. And as we continue to talk about the shift or the trend towards positionless football, having guys that are trained to play slot corner, uh, that's a huge asset because that is a starting quarterback position as more teams are going to a two-linebacker defense with five DBs on the field on all downs.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating discussion between the trait corners and the to me the more instinctive really mm. better football player corners you know yeah. what I mean? so yeah. i ended up taking you mentioned molden you know was a was a, was a good size fine size for a nickel but he's not a yeah, not a huge guy Asante samuel not mm. not a huge guy but i i ended up moving them like over the georgia corners who we saw right 6 foot plus running a ridiculous 42s yes. 43s four four but then i you know i was stacking and i'm looking i'm going okay First of all, Sante Samuel, I didn't know how big he was going to be. I thought he might be real little. He was not. He checked. He was fine. And then speed-wise, I, you know, I was curious to see what he ran. He ran the low four four. So I'm like, okay, so that's not a problem. Now, I know eyes, instincts, ball skills, good to go. And then with Molden, even though they haven't had their pro day yet, I'm like, the tape is so clean. I know exactly what he is. He's a day-one nickel. He's tough. He's physical. I can use him to support in there. And again, instincts, ball skills. And so I'm like, man. Let me just use the Bucky Brooks backyard theory. If we're if it's Thanksgiving and we're picking teams, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Samuel Molden over the big athletic. They're just better football players. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I'm moving those guys up, even though I I I love the traits. I do.
2: You know, D- DJ, I, I think there's something to that, and I think uh, it's kind of the coin, the term that has been coined in scouting rooms for for years. I want football players. And a lot of people are like, well, yeah, that's a no brainer. But yeah, but what we're talking about is a a guy who really knows how to play the game. A guy Mm -hmm. who has the IQ and the instincts that they can go and they can make everybody right because they know exactly what they're doing. You're not having to overcoach them to get them to learn the basic stuff. Like they walk into the field and they're like, all right, coach, I got it. Like you can tell them one time and they get it and they make plays based on their knowledge and expertise and experience more so than just their traits. Those guys tend to play a long time, and the, the the difference is this year. Most years, those guys are like, "Ah, oh, man, I like him. He's a really good player, but he's slower." Yeah. The, this year, they have athleticism and and things that you're like, "Nah, hey, I'm good. They, yeah, I'm good. They're they're really fast and athletic, and they they know how to play the game. Yeah, sign me up for those guys.
0: No doubt. Um... All right, Buck. I think we've hit this from every conceivable angle here. I did mention again, top fifties out. You can check that out. Uh, did, did you have to do? A, did you have to
2: redo your mock because you just did your mock like a week ago? Uh, hey, hey, good thing for me that was all done. I think Lance Zerline is up this week on Mock Draft Live doing his thing, so he might have belabored it all weekend. I'm I'm good. You would catch me at the end. We catch me right before the draft. I'm 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 good on mock.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, Path to the draft is back this week, everybody. You can find that. Um, I believe we were on, what, 6 Eastern every day? Um, so be on the lookout for that. We've got the digital show um, coming up. Uh, you'll be able to see that Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's the Move the Six show. And also that will be on NFL Network Thursday at 3 Eastern or re-air Saturday at 7 a.m. Eastern. So be on the lookout for the Move the Sticks video show. Again, having a lot of fun where we take a team inside the body shop and uh, try and see if we can solve their issues. I've, again, hey, pat on the back, Buck. Miami, Miami Dolphins, we laid out the blueprint. They-, they were listening. They were listening. Yeah, they were listening. That was a good job. We'll continue on uh, on down that path as we try and solve and, and fix some of these teams going forward. Um, but uh, we do appreciate you guys hanging with us today. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Ledge. in the land of saints and sinners from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital, rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50
1: on select battery tool sets. Real steel.